Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 217 called Kirsten Jordan. All right, everybody. I'm so excited about my guest today. Kirsten Jordan, KJ, is the first woman ever cast on Bravo's Million Dollar Listing New York. And you guys probably know her from the show. She is so fierce. She is such a badass. She's so fun to watch on TV. She's so successful in so many ways. I just love her. So today we're going to talk about her fertility journey and how in college... She was diagnosed with PCOS, and later when she was told that she was going to need IVF to concede, she was like, no, ma'am, I am not going down that road. So she's going to talk about what happened, how she met Dr. Christina Burns, who is a previous InfraLife podcast guest who was on a handful of episodes ago, how they worked together and how they approached Kirsten's lifestyle and fertility differently. And today she is the mama of three kids. So you're going to hear all about it. I want to thank her so much for taking the time out of her crazy busy schedule. Without further ado, this is Kirsten's infertility story. Thank you so much for being here. How are you today? Thank you for having me. I'm good. I'm actually hiding out in one of my very good friend clients apartment right now in between uh-huh. open houses. Okay. Well, I know you're so busy, so we want to dive right into it. Um, let's start where I always do, which is, did you always want to have kids and be a mom? I think that like many women, I definitely didn't think that not having children was an option. So I never was like in the camp where I, where it was like questionable about me having kids. I always just assumed that it was going to be something that would be part of my life, but I didn't ever spend a ton of time dreaming or thinking about having children or ever even dreaming. I was never that person that was really preoccupied with like how I'm going to get married and how I'm going to have children and how I, that was never my MO. It was always kind of me first, my career, my stuff, my things, what I'm going to do with my life. And so you know, the, when I, when it was like, Oh, found a great guy, got married, the story all worked. And then I didn't just get pregnant. Mm -hmm. It was like, Oh, okay. Well, like now objective is to get pregnant. It was never like, should I rethink the whole kids thing? Right. Okay. So backtracking a little bit, what did you know about your fertility growing up? Like, what were you taught in school? Did you know anything about actually what it really was like to get pregnant, like how hard it is. We always talk about how, you know, I grew up like, oh my God, don't get pregnant. Don't get pregnant. It's so easy. And obviously that's not the case. Well, I think what's really funny about my life is that I definitely, um, definitely had irregular periods my whole life. Always did up, up until, and, and what, what actually I realized in college was I actually went on metformin in college as a, like from a PCOS perspective, like polycystic mm-hmm. ovarian syndrome. And the idea with metformin is that by stabilizing or by sensitizing your blood to insulin. So it's an insulin sensitizing medication. It's one of the oldest insulin sensitized medications that exists. It's basically like, it's practically in the water. The stuff's like aspirin for, for diabetes. And so they gave it to me. And I, rem- and I remember thinking like, this is a fucking miracle drug because it helped me with my appetite. It, it, it helped my weight control, which then made me realize, <clears throat> and I didn't really realize this later until Christina kind of explained to me, but like, basically that like, for me, carbs are like a problem. Like it's not, 
I'm not like a carby that my body does best on the lower carb kind of diet or like, you know, like a more vegetable. And, but, but basically instead I went on metformin in college and it was like, that was actually, you kind of had the opposite happen where it was like, you need to be eating protein and carbs and fats together to take this medication because otherwise you're, you're going to have really low blood sugar at certain times mm-hmm. of the day, because of this insulin med- sensitizing stuff. And so I was kind of on and off that for, I would say like, I was probably on and off that for almost 10 years where it was like the kind of thing where it was like, oh, and then I was living in Europe for a couple of years. And so then it was inconvenient to get, so I didn't have it. And then at it kind of worked because you're in Europe and everything's healthier and somehow you stay in better shape somehow. Right. But this whole irregular periods thing was always kind of a, a an issue, but it's not the kind of thing that's enough of an issue that people are like, you've got to get this under control otherwise you're going to die. It's a very like, oh, we'll put you on the pill or we'll do this. And, and the pill never worked for me. I could never really be on hormones. And so I was really lucky because I made it through all of these years before getting married without actually being on birth control and never having any other issues. And mm-hmm. so it was the kind of thing where it shouldn't have been a surprise that I wasn't going to get pregnant easily. Cause the truth is, is like, I probably would have gotten pregnant before then if I actually was, was like actively fertile, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I think that it wasn't just about irregular periods. That was the reason I never had gotten pregnant. It was probably like a lot of other factors as far as the whole balance was concerned. And so long story short, definitely had these irregular periods, definitely was a super, I was a huge exerciser, always, always been a big workout person, more, even more exercise in my twenties and thirties, like, you know, just like, or mostly like teens into twenties. I I would say my thirties, I probably started to like get a little bit more balanced with it, but just Mm -hmm. like big exerciser, like all these fertility in unfriendly things, Mm. you know, like, like irregular periods, coffee, nightlife, you know, I've never, you know, like, you know, just like the basics, like going out with friends and having wine and totally, and and then like, you know, uh, eating protein bars for, you know, lunch and skipping a bunch of meals and, and then a bunch of really hardcore, you know, adrenaline, workouts that are really, you know, really, really burning through your, that progesterone, like all those things mm-hmm. that kind of came together that, that when you're in your twenties, doesn't present like a really big issue because you're in your twenties and people are like, well, it doesn't really matter what you do. You're going to get pregnant anyway. And then I didn't. And so that was the, that was kind of like the journey. Right. To not pregnant. Okay. So tell me about the PCOS. When was that actually diagnosed for you at a, a certain point? Or did you find out later that that was what you had had all along? Um, I think I was diagnosed with PCOS in college because in, I think in high school, they had been like, oh, you have kind of have like higher testosterone. You have irregular periods. We should put you in the birth control pill. And I went on that and it was a disaster when I went off of it. And then we never really revisited that. Mm. So then in college, they were like, well, there's this thing where you go on metformin and, and it's, and it helps and let's see if it works. And I went on that and like, Ironically, I never needed to take that much of it. I took like a half a dose, a couple times, a couple times a day, mm-hmm. um, instead of like three pills a day, like a lot of people mm-hmm. do. And and it worked. I didn't need much. Okay, um, that worked for me. And so that was kind of. But there was nobody. I would say, like from an ultrasound perspective, I'm trying to think of anybody ever really did an ultra. I think I at some point I had an ultrasound. I mean, polycystic ovarian syndrome is a syndrome. So it's like you have right. to have the you have the cysts and then you've got the testosterone and then you have the regular periods and then you can have all these other things like hair and being overweight and all that stuff that weren't my things. There's but lots the, of different markers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Did you know anything about PCOS though? Or like once you heard that term, did you like look into it, dive into it or 
like you were saying with the metformin was just kind of like, okay, this is kind of how I'm going to deal with them. Well, the metformin was such, had such pleasant side effects aside from the nausea um, right. piece of it, like, and that like low blood sugar, which I feel like it didn't, didn't really bother me that much, but it was like, I felt thinner and I had less brain fog and I had more, mm-hmm. which is basically like what happens when you, when you like either go keto or, you know, you go low carb and that kind of a thing, just stuff. Yeah. That's, it's basic and normal. Totally. Um, that, that was something that like I noticed right away. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that was, so I didn't really dive, I didn't dive deep until the fertility stuff started happening because okay. there seemed to be kind of a fix for it. And the truth is, is it, is that the way my body felt was always like, there's going to be a good stretch and you're going to be in a good place. And then, and then you're going to get a little polycystic and your period's going to be late and there's going to be funky stuff and it's not going to fix until you get your period. And then it's going to be kind of like a reset. Mm. And that can be in a really long cycle of 60 days, 80 days, could be 45 days. It could be 35 days, but either way, it was kind of like this. So there was this level of uncertainty kind of all the time around mm-hmm. having a cycle. Cause the truth is, is mm-hmm. there's a level of predictability and certainty in having a cycle that you don't realize as a woman that like, kind of are looking for mm-hmm. until you're not looking for it anymore right in menopause and i think like so it was that kind of thing that like caught it actually is like a fair amount of uncertainty when like you're sexually active you're not on birth control you kind of know you can't really get pregnant because you kind of know fundamentally you're not really fertile but like you're also have a super regular period so you're like right this is i'm always living in the fear of god at any given moment <laughs> Right. But I'm going to like go with it. Right. But it sounds like you were learning to kind of ride the waves of your own body and know that like, okay, this is going to happen. And then this might happen and all that. Yeah. And I just Um, wrote it it off to just having a shitty metabolism. I was like, mm. I just have a shitty metabolism. I'm just like, it's tough for me to lose weight. I can't eat much. That's my thing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and then fast forward to the whole fertility piece. I learned a lot more. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about that. What happened when you actually started to try and you're like, okay, I actually do want to become pregnant. Was it not happening or were there losses? So or I, like- I think what I did was I, I got, I got married. I, I think I, I think I went off of I either went off metformin or I was, I think I'd gone off of it. Cause I was like sick of the nausea. Cause it does, you kind of are nauseous a lot of the time and you really shouldn't be drinking alcohol on it. And I was totally having wine and like living nothing crazy, but I was still, you know, having wine on the weekends and just living my husband's Italian. Like, you know, it was just part of my life. Yeah. Like, it sounds amazing. Not good. It's not, it's like kind of hard in your liver. So, so I stopped and, um, and, and I think what I like, what, what I realized was like, okay, I've stopped the metformin. My period kind of got, I think I'd like actually stopped getting a period for a while. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it was like, everything just kind of like stopped. Like I wasn't getting my period. I wasn't getting pregnant. I wasn't, and I wasn't in that phase where I was like freaking out about it. I was just like, oh, still not pregnant. Mm-hmm. Also still having funky periods. Oh, don't have, I don't, I think I had, had not had my period for a while. And it, so it was like, and so my mom, in her infinite oversharing, as I have only learned from the best, <laughs> that's why everyone loves you. everybody that I couldn't get pregnant. She was like, Kirsten's not getting pregnant. You got any ideas? You know, whatever. And, and so you're two, like, thanks, mom. <laughs> thanks. Great. I'm so glad that the whole town is now involved. Right. Hometown is now involved in my fertility journey. And, and so she, she suggested Sabrina. She was like, not Sabrina, sorry, Christina. I'm thinking of my old boss, Sabrina. Oh, that's okay. So she, so, so what happened was my mom is out there talking to everybody. 
on two different occasions, Christina was recommended to her. Okay. By so let me interject people. by saying we're talking about Dr. Christina Burns. Yeah. Christina the doctor Sorry, of Chinese Dr. medicine. Yeah. You can go back and probably listen to her. You did an episode with her, right? Exactly. Um, so she's a licensed acupuncturist and she's an herbalist and, you know, integrative fertility and all that. So that's what we're talking about. Okay. So you yeah. heard about her and, and then what? And she was, you know, she was part of a practice and I went to see her to try acupuncture for fertility because I had gone to a fertility doctor and he immediately was like, oh, you'll just go on Clomid and then, you know, you can, you, you can like start trying and it'll be easier. And I was like, that sounds a lot like the birth control thing that I tried like years ago that didn't go so swimmingly. And cause I, I mean, when I think back, I tried a lot of different things when it came to birth control. Like I tried a lot of things and they just, nothing ever really fit. Well, you know, like the regular, like the pill itself made me crazy. The ring, I don't remember what was wrong with the ring, but there was something mm. really funny about that. Mm-hmm. You know, there were just, I tried that. And then, and then, and then of course, like when you don't get your period at some point, they start putting you on progesterone to try to like make you get your period. So I'd already tried that. And that was mm-hmm. a hormone. So I'd always just had really negative experience with hormones. Mm-hmm. So when he was like, Oh, we'll just put you on Clomid. I was like, I'm just not going to do that. Yeah. So also I was like, I'm young. I had gotten, I got married at like 28, 27, okay. yeah. 27. I was turning 28. Like I was like, I'm just not, I just am not old enough for that. Yeah. Like, this is crazy. Cause in my, in my head, I was like fertility treatments are for people in their early forties. Like this yeah. is not, you know, I didn't think of, cause you know, that was, and I, granted. Can I tell you, I thought the same thing. And I thought it was for, I thought it was for people who wanted multiples. I literally thought that, like, I was just like, I don't want like, also like twins or triplets, Octomom. Yeah. Or like, you know, all this injection stuff. I, you just, it just doesn't have a great, you know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't yeah. have an amazing reputation. So, and I could like see myself going totally like having a conniption just from right. So right. I was like, that's not going to work. So that's how I ended up with Christina. I went okay. to Christina and I think immediately with, with, with Dr. Burns, it was just like, we had a connection. I felt like she understood me. I, you know, I don't know what she revealed about her own fertility journey, but I know that she's, she's really good at polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I think what I learned from her, not to like paraphrase something that she's much more of an expert on, but like that polycystic ovarian syndrome is like a very delicate balance. Mm -hmm. And that's basically the best way to describe what it takes for me to operate at like an optimal level Mm -hmm. is like, I have to be in complete balance and I really can't cover outside the lines that much in Mm -hmm. general. And it's just, that's what it looks like. So the more that I'm able to be, you know, stay on the the right kind of diet and the sleep and the exercise and the, and, you know, the right amount of caffeine and, and, you know, really, you know, watching everything from alcohol intake to, um, to just sugar intake to anything, it mm-hmm. makes a really big difference. Mm-hmm. And, and then the other part of it is like, Ex- oh, there's not every exercise is PCOS friendly, which is like, you know, the, like running, like I'm a runner. I was a runner. I was a mm-hmm. race walker. I was like a marathoner. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, I did one marathon, so to call it a marathoner. I, That's I a marathoner in my book. You do one, you are a marathoner. I, and I'm just like a, you know, operating at a, a thousand percent. It doesn't necessarily work. Like me going to spin classes and things like that. It's not really good for my fertility, you gotcha. know, or my general adrenal, like, how would you call it? My adrenal function. For mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. And so there were a lot of things that I had to adjust slowly 
you know, during the process of like the fertility journey. And it was like, I cut out a lot of foods. I really had to like, just, there mm-hmm. was a lot of things that I, that I did that to, yeah. to be really serious. I mean, at one point I think I had no caffeine for like a year. I mean, I did a lot. A of year. Wow. Yeah. I was going to ask you if we could unpack that just a little bit and talk about some of the specifics. So when you first started working with Christina, what were like the main kind of tenets of what she wanted you to do? Like, did she say, did she talk about exercise and food and caffeine and all that stuff? Or like, what were the immediate kind of action steps that you took? This episode is brought to you by Vegamore. I'm always trying to do right by my body. So when it comes to my hair and scalp health, finding a product that actually works and is made with clean ingredients always seems like a trade-off. But with Vegamore, I get products that are made with clean ingredients and give me visibly healthy hair and scalp. With Vegamore, I am able to have noticeably thicker, fuller, shinier, longer hair, all without the harsh ingredients. Every cute pink bottle of Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Okay, so I got my box of Vegamore products and I've been using them all for the past month. The shampoo, the conditioner, the grow hair serum, the hair foam, the eyelash serum, the eyebrow serum... It's been about a month, like I said, and my hair really does feel stronger and thicker. Everything looks better. And the shampoo in particular, I have to say, smells really good. The key is consistency in your routine for your most beautiful, healthy looking hair. I use Vegamore Grow Hair Serum daily, and my hair and scalp are feeling better than ever. Here's another cool thing. Vegamore has these great value kits like the Grow Essentials Kit, where you get to try more than one amazing product at a time at great savings. So when you sign up for a monthly subscription, you save more and you never run low on the products that you need. And fun fact, guys, Vegamore sells one bottle of the Grow Hair Serum every 15 seconds on their website. That's how good this stuff is. So here is the deal, my beautiful listeners. For a limited time, you can get 20% off your first order by going to vegamore.com slash infertileaf and using code infertileaf at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash infertile AF, code infertile AF to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash infertile AF, code infertile AF. Thanks, Vegamore. I think the first thing we did was like, I mean, we, in all fairness, I think we were experimenting together. This was like Mm -hmm. 11 years ago. Um, she knew a lot of what she was already doing with me, but I think overall there was like an experimentation factor that I did of at one point, I mean, in the beginning, I basically took out all gluten and all dairy. I was rolling back caffeine quickly. And then it was trying to, you know, eat, but, you know, eat stuff that's, that's, um, uh, organic and trying to just eat clean in general, Mm -hmm. which clearly means different things other to certain people, but like gluten and dairy were a big piece and then, you know, getting to real and cooked foods, you know, that's a big thing. That's a big Christina, um, thing is like mm-hmm. eat foods. It's a Chinese medicine. It's a big Chinese medicine thing is this idea of like popping salads and raw vegetables and raw juices is really hard on the fertility piece in mm-hmm. the world of Chinese medicine, because the fact that it's cold as an energy, it's also hard for your body to digest. It's hard for, di- it's just hard for digestion in general. And I think that clearly a lot of us are not walking around super aware about what we're eating and how it makes us feel. We all kind of expect to slump after lunch. We all kind of expect to be gassy, bloated, 
have constipation, to like not have regular bowel movements, all these things that like, as somebody who was really rapidly getting in tune with my body, all these changes that I made to kind of stay within the framework that she gave me were really helped my health. And I, and I was, you know, had more energy and I was much more level and had much fewer mental breakdowns, you know, and like was just a happier person. So for me, what was fun about the fertility journey was just that like, I was super committed to it. So it was easy to make changes, which I think is something that probably people see, you know, it's like one of the few things that you can tell people to do stuff for that. And they actually do it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like death. Like if you're, if you're like, like if you're terminally ill or you're trying to get pregnant or like what, there's like one other thing that like, basically like people don't change their entire life long-term to lose weight, but people will change their entire life long-term if it was life-threatening or if they're trying to have a baby. I love that. Such a good way to put that. Yes. It's just, it's just yeah. what it is. And so, it is what it um, is. yeah. And so for me, it was like, okay, I'm ready to make all these changes. And granted, like I have moments where I totally regress. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. However, there is this level that like, once you start doing, once you like start living your life a certain way, it's pretty hard to roll it back because you're, right. especially if you're a high achiever, because then the achievement piece becomes something that you get accustomed to and you can't achieve if you aren't really able to like work at 150%. And then, then of course you have kids and then like, you really have to be at 150%. Otherwise like you're not getting anything done. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that was the, okay. So So those are the little things that we changed. As you're going through all this and not being able to have a baby, how is it affecting your relationship? If you don't mind talking about that a little bit, were you guys okay? Were you kind of on the same page? Were there any really hard conversations you had to have? Um, I mean, the thing is, is it took us two years overall, but the, but the thing is, is like, we, I think it wasn't really until like the last couple of months before I got pregnant that I was like, okay, this is becoming a slog. Like I had, I think I got pregnant in, I think I got pregnant around Easter. I think I got pregnant around Easter of 2013. And mm-hmm. we had got we got married in June of 2011. Okay. And I think it was like, you know, listen, I have a super supportive husband who basically knows to stay out of my way in general when it comes to like stuff that I've decided that I'm doing. And so could he call my husband? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was like, I'm just like, so I was like boiling raw herbs in my apartment that smell disgusting, drinking them. I mean, it's just like, was a constant, I was constantly doing crazy shit. So it was like, you know, I think as far as like hard conversations, because we were never at the IVF investment phase where it's Uh like, Oh, should we really spend this money on this? Should we really do? We weren't, we weren't there yet. Okay. Um, we were, I was fortunate because like the only conversations we had was me being like, I'm never going to do IVF. And him being like, would you adopt? And I was kind of like, I don't think so. Uh-huh. Um, and then it was kind of like, and then I had, and then what was interesting was there was definitely this emotional element of it, which, which was kind of like seeing, I had to see some other people that were kind of my contemporaries mm-hmm. get pregnant and have children. Like my husband's 10 years older than me or eight, nine years older than me. And so mm-hmm. So there was this element that there was nobody that was in our sphere that was his sphere that mm. had children. There was nobody in my sphere that had children because actually in New York City, 
getting married in your late twenties is actually really young. Really young. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Like you go to the, you go to the doctor, like when you had, when you're pregnant and you're 29 in New York city and everyone's like, Oh, it's another, it's one of those teenage pregnancies. Totally. It's not. It's It's so true. um, It's really not the same. So I just didn't have contemporaries that were pregnant and having Mm -hmm. babies. So I think there was also this just like lack of, lack of like even conceptualizing what that really looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some, there's something with, about my personality. And I think this happens to some people where you can't do something until you've actually understood, seen and processed it done by somebody who you like admire, respect, or, you know, yes, totally. Know. And I, and I just had never, and then it was crazy because I was like having these fertility issues focused on, I was so focused on my diet and being probably between the lines and, you know, whatever. And then, and then we got to the point where like, we, I actually had gotten a period. Like we actually got to the point where I went from not having a period to getting a period after taking these, you know, proceeded mm-hmm. to the whole custom Chinese herbs thing with me. We did that between the acupuncture. So I started getting a period, which was really exciting. So then we could track my cycle. So then we could actually try. Cause mm-hmm. remember we'd been trying, but there was no real trying. So right. Basically, I tried for two months and then I got pregnant. Wow. Okay. And, period and we finally could track things. So, so what was great though, was that we, we did the herbs. They were able to use the herbs because the practice that she was in was, it was a practice where they could do blood work and they could test my hormone levels and test when I was going to be ovulating. Actually. Okay. Exactly. Oh, cool. Okay. So it was basically like Western medicine and, and, you know, right. and Eastern medicine together. And so yeah. she was able to adjust the herbs to make sure that I was able to, to like actually ovulate. And then, and then what was crazy was right around that time, we had these friends who live near us and, and they were like pretty good friends, like pretty good friends of ours. And she was like, Oh, I'm pregnant. And I remember being like, Oh my God, real people. I literally had this moment of like real <laughs> people I know that are my age could just decide that they're actually going to have children. And I was like, Hmm maybe that's part of my issue is that like, I don't have anybody that I think I'm going to be hanging out with because for me, there was a lot of this like fear. Like my husband and I are are both in real estate together and Mm -hmm. he's a developer Mm -hmm. and you know, it was already this whole like, okay, so then what are you going to do when you have kids? How are you going to do everything? You know, you're working, you have this career. Absolutely how are you going to do this? And so I think I was already on this, like, oh, great. Me having kids means that everybody's going to expect me to take a step back on my job. Uh Right. Um, which when you're don't even, when you're not even pregnant yet, and you're not somebody who's ever sit around and fantasized about being a stay at home mom, like Mm -hmm. it's like, you're like, do I, why are we doing this again? Like, right. Well, like Absolutely. you said, I think it's hard to conceptualize that because you're like, what does that even look like? Like, what would future me yeah. even be be like in existence? Like, it's yeah. hard to picture that. Yeah, um, and then I immediately, and then I immediately got pregnant. <laughs> okay, so let's put a pin in that for one second. Did you make like an actual kind of commitment that you were going to manage all of this without doing IVF? Like, did you flat out say like, I do not want to do that, and I never will? Okay. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about making that decision? Because I think it's so interesting that you did that. And I think it's amazing that you're talking about this because I haven't talked to a ton of people that have done that, but I have a lot of respect for it. Listen, I think you never say never, but at, but I was also like fortunate to be in my late twenties. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I got time people like, mm-hmm. I'm like, 
There is like, we are not even close to advanced maternal age in the world of like this, this process. And I know that if I do IVF, it will literally throw my entire career off because I will not be able to handle the hormones and working. I will, Uh I will kill people. Like I will kill people. I will literally be like, I will, I mean, already, you know, already if I'm like a little bit off and I've had a little too much coffee, it's like, (laughs) Stay away. KJ had an extra coffee. KJ had coffee mid-morning because she was at a freaking breakfast and didn't serve anything else. You know what I mean? Like, right. And I'm literally the princess in the pea. Okay. (laughs) I'm like, does somebody, does somebody put something in that? Does that, this tastes too good to be decaf. I, I'm not going to drink it. Somebody take it away. Give me a fresh decaf. So I'm a crazy person that's very sensitive. So I was very committed and what was, and the only reason it worked was because Christina was committed with me and she believed uh-huh. that I was pregnant. Okay. So what so, were some of the other things that you talked about the herbs? You did acupuncture too, right? Can we talk about that a little I bit? Did, yeah. I did Chinese herbs. I did acupuncture once a week. Okay. Uh huh. I, I started the Chinese herbs in September of 2012. And that, and that took me almost six months. So it took me a couple months to get my period from the herbs. And then, and then we, and then we had I don't think how many months it might've been, I, I might've gotten my period. I might've not started getting my period until no, no, it's right. I started, I got my period within a couple months of taking the herbs. So I started in September, October with the herbs and then, um, and then, and then, and then I had my period and then I, and then I got a running start with the period. And then it was like, and then I had, I remember steadily having those like two or three months of actually having my period and having two months of it. So the Chinese herbs were a piece of it. Acupuncture was a piece of it. Diet and adjusting my lifestyle was huge, which I kind of did from day one, which mm-hmm. was like, you know, dropping the, I dropped coffee right away. It's mm-hmm. just acidity, cortisol, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Everybody says, God bless you. If you can drink coffee and get pregnant, not everybody can. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then I think, what else did I drop? It was the grains. I really ended up kind of going grain free, you mm-hmm. know, just from the, health perspective, mm-hmm. um, I cut out and then it was basically trying to keep a, like a pretty low glycemic diet overall, mm-hmm. um, which isn't easy as well, but that's something that I was really working on. Okay. So tell me about when you found out you were pregnant, how, what was that? How did it happen? Was, how so, did you find out? So I had, so I was in that practice that Christina was in and it was also a fertility practice. And so they had done all the they had done all this monitoring. So I was coming in for blood work and they were doing the monitoring or I was going to like quest or whatever and getting the blood work monitored to do the mm-hmm. ovulation piece. And then, and then it was like, Oh, we'll try on these dates. Right. And then, and then there was like the two week wait. And I was like, and at, this was like literally it when I was like, I don't know if I can fucking do this anymore. Like, um, cause I, cause you, cause I think I was, I, I never looked big, but I had put on like a solid 10 pounds from the whole process. Like I didn't okay. avoid all the things I thought I'd avoid from mm-hmm. avoiding it. Like mm-hmm. I still, I still like literally like my, and then, and the progesterone and clearly like my body had learned to progest had learned to process the progesterone. So my boobs were like huge. Like mm-hmm. it was like, I had still gone through a big transformation, get my ovulation back on track and like actually starting an, a machine that had been dormant for so long. Mm-hmm. And so I, well, I, I had done like a, I think I peed on a stick and it was like a really, 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 really faint line. Like so faint, like, because I was a rookie and I was like peeing on it at night or something like that, which is like, <laughs> such a rookie thing to do. Okay. 
good old mama three is like, hold on a second while I make sure that I have a cup in my bathroom so I can pee in it and leave it there in the middle of the night. So I have the first pee, no matter what. That's right. right. Pro tip. I don't want want none of this. I'm not messing with this stuff. Um, And so, so then I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. So I went into the, to them and, and asked for, to have blood drawn. To, to do a blood pregnancy. Cause I was like, I don't trust anybody now. Like I don't mm-hmm. want mm-hmm. Whereas like looking back now, it's like, you see a faint, a faint, anything and you're pregnant. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so what was really cute was I was on the phone with my husband trying to get health insurance and they were asking us about all our preexisting conditions. And, and over the phone, we had to answer the questions and they called me at the same time from the office and I could see the phone ringing and I was like, I'm picking this up. So I put them on mute picked it up and they told me that I was pregnant and I'm like, <gasps> like sobbing because we're so excited. And then and I can hear Christina be like, yeah, my God's great. And, <laughs> and so, and so then it was like, you know, I remember just telling my husband and we were just really, really excited about it. Oh so, my God. It was, it was really Okay. Cool. So you have three kids now were with number two, number three, was it the same kind of deal or did you, oh, did you maintain that kind of lifestyle? And the acupuncture, or was it just reincorporated when you went back into like baby making mode, um, right. for lack of a better term? Right. Um, with my second, I definitely went back to herbs and went back to Christina. And I had kind of taken a little bit of a hiatus from acupuncture because I think I didn't love acupuncture during pregnancy, during my first pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I never found a really good position to sit in or lay in or whatever. And so I had kind of abandoned it a little bit for a little while there. And then after the, and then towards the second one, I was like, oh, I want to go back in because I think I'm ready to go for my second. And so then, and she like gave me some herbs and I went on a trip to Italy and I came back and I was pregnant. Like it was yes. like, oh, in the airport and it was really very, very seamless. Love um, that. Then, but, but also in fairness, like my period got back into like a relatively regular way postpartum, like overall, it just kind of like, I mean, there's a lot of wives tales out there that say that, you know, for people who have PCOS, the best thing to do is get pregnant and have a baby. You know, there's a, that, that says that it like kind of like resets your body and mm-hmm. teaches. And I don't know if anything happens to those cysts. I have no idea what mm-hmm. happens, but I would kind of say I agree with that mm-hmm. um, in the sense that my, my body's definitely been so much better after having children than it ever was before mm-hmm. as far as that hormonal piece. Granted, if I really stray from what I need to do, right. I find myself not feeling great, but, okay. um, but overall, like, and then with my third, that was something that we, we kind of, I think I, th- I thought I was pregnant at one point with a third and we, and it was one of those very rare situations where it was actually a false positive old pregnancy test that I had in my apartment. Oh. And yeah, just like, and we were both like, Oh, when it was not real. And yeah. We that's too bad. I guess, I guess maybe we could do that. Cause we had been like, Oh my God, what? Three? <laughs> right. And then we accustomed ourselves to the idea of it. And then, and then it wasn't and then it gets taken before. away. Yeah. And we were like, Oh, I guess maybe we could do that. So then, so then we were like away with, and we were away and it was February of 2017. And we just kind of were like, Oh, well, let's just, Stefan always wanted a boy that he wanted a boy that was named Tommaso. And he was like, Oh, we were both like, Oh, let's try whatever. If we get a boy. And then it was like, same thing done. So ever since then, I've been for, I've been very fortunate from that perspective that it was difficult from the beginning Uh um, kind of thing. And, and I'd say 
most likely a lot of it was just the polycystic and the lifestyle, but just because I, I do think that we needed to get some stuff under control because otherwise there was just no way to predict. Right. Absolutely. So before we wrap, thank you for all that, by the way, but what advice do you have for somebody who might be going through this or maybe is recently diagnosed with PCOS to start? And then secondly, for somebody who doesn't want to go through treatment, who you know might be similar and like, I don't want to go through IVF. I don't want to go through assisted reproductive technology. I feel like sometimes there's societal pressure to do it, you know, like, come on, do it. It's, you know, it's not that big of a deal. So how can someone remain kind of steadfast in their beliefs or their desires if they want to do, you know, the route that you did? So I am no doctor by any stretch of the imagination. However, I do think that for better, for worse, for so many of us, some of this stuff is lifestyle based. Mm -hmm. And I think that that before you do the ARTs or in, in, in conjunction with them, it is really important to take a look or really hard look at your lifestyle because first of all, we all think we're healthy and we all think we're not in that, we're all not in that bad of shape or we're not, we're not really coloring that far outside the lines. Like the truth is, is if you really sat down and write down what you eat and drink every day, there are times in your life where like even any doctor is going to look at that and be like, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. And then if you really go to somebody else who's going to push you even further, as far as like cutting out certain things that are either allergens or toxins or the rest of it, it's like, you want to be honest with yourself. Cause from what I've seen from the outside, I have friends who had to then go to Christina, go to Dr. Burns with the ARTs because the ARTs alone weren't able to do it because they needed to rein the rest of it in. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a piece of it. The other part of it is like, who are we all kidding? Nobody can run around, especially with how old so many of my friends are having kids. Well, you can't be unhealthy and run around and chase a toddler and then have another kid and then have another kid. Like right. you just can't, you got to get it under control. Right. It's, not, it's just what it is. So like to, to think that you're going to be able to like roll around, like to be like going around doing all this and still eating like a pastry and like coffee with like creamer in it, iced coffee with creamer in it from Dunkin' Donuts every morning. And that work, like, I hope it does for you, but like, it probably might not, you know, mm -hmm. and there's, and, and, and it's really hard to cut these things out, but you will feel better long-term for sure. You will have a better complexion. You will have better digestion. You will have a better mood. All of these things affect your overall lifestyle. So it's like, that's my first piece of this. Mm -hmm. My second piece of it is like, if you're committed to not doing the, to not going for it with the medication and the drugs, I do think that you need to give yourself a longer timeline mm. because I think that it's not going to be as quick of a fix. It's the same thing as deciding you're not going to cure something with antibiotics. It's not going to go away overnight. It can be done in a lot of cases with herbs or with homeopathic stuff, mm -hmm. with whatever you want to do, but you can't expect the same turnaround time. However, I do think that it's probably more sustainable from like a, you want to have more than one kid with more than one pregnancy and have those be healthy pregnancies. It's kind of, I think it is more sustainable, but you know, I think that there's, I think there's more people out there that would, that probably either need to say, okay, I'm committing to ARTs with the holistic piece to it, or people that need to own that if they're not going to use the, like, if they're not going to go that route that you need to be like really committed and you need like a real support team. 
because I think the only reason that I was able to do it was because of Christina and she believed in me and believed in it. And like, was always like, it's so impressive how you're able to be so committed and, and so regimented. But like part of the reason it was easy to be committed and regimented was because for the majority of that process, I also felt better, looked better and had more mental clarity from following what she had me doing. So, you Mm -hmm. know, there has to be, I, I don't know. I don't know if you can torture yourself just for the sake of torture, you know? So, um, so I would say, yeah, but I, I do think there's something to be said for really believing in the fact that it can be done and that there are alternative ways. And, and then the other piece is really looking deep, I think, emotionally about your relationship with whether you want to really fundamentally already to have a child and ready for what that comes for your career, for your relationship with your spouse for just your, all your life responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Because I think for me, that was a big piece that I was like, that was like looming over me, clouding over me. And until I was like, Oh, other people can do this too. If they can do it, I can do it. Made it. Okay. Didn't make it any easier. Right. But it still made it possible. you guys so much for listening and thanks again to Kirsten for taking time out of her schedule guys watch her on Bravo's million dollar listing New York I love that show I love all the real estate shows I pretty much love every show on Bravo but she just is great so I want to thank her again for taking the time for sharing her story as always you know I want to share stories that are diverse with so many different endings and so many different pathways. So if you want to share your story, you can email me at infertilayfstories at gmail. You can always DM me too. I'm lining up my next batch of podcasts soon. So reach out if you want to try to be a part of that. Thanks again for listening. And if you have two seconds to rate and review the podcast, that would be great as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Check out Fertility Rally and I'll talk to you guys next time. time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.